What? Red 7! I don't know what Red 7 means. Hot route! I don't. What is hot route? Will you just go stand on the other side, please? Down! Come on! It's time for the Soonerscoop.com postgame show presented by Eskridge Lexus in Oklahoma City. Eskridge Lexus is the official travel partner of Soonerscoop.com podcasts. Now, here's your road crew, Kerry, Eddie, and Bob, wrapping up all the action and reaction from this week's game. Eskridge Lexus post-game podcast of the 2023 season, uh, and it has come to uh, a, not a grinding halt, but uh, a, a sad screeching halt. Uh, was it a screeching halt? It, uh, it, it was a well. They tried to come to a halt, but then someone stole the car and then drove it, and then somebody else stole it, and eventually. Uh, you just lost it. That's uh, fair. Kind of like the <laughs> That's game. Fair. Tonight. That's fair. Six turnovers. Uh, we are here in San Antonio this time in my bed. Uh, George, no unauthorized pictures. Okay, I only need so many people calling me a fat ass every every day. You know, I can only handle so many of those. So please, no unauthorized photos. By the way, I had no product in my hair. Like I, I, I didn't bring any with me. I, I the hair never looks, made the hair it. looks good right I now. I never made it flow, to a Carrie. CVS. The so. hair looks great. Uh, that coming from the flow master himself, Eddie Radosevich. Um, I think we're in such a better mood right now. You, because we're leaving San Antonio. Yeah, yeah, we're headed north, baby. Yeah, we're just a few hours away from from leaving. Depending on when I can get this podcast up, and I can get like two hours of sleep, so we can. Because look, I'm just as excited to get back to Oklahoma as you are. So Eddie, Eddie said to me after the game that he wanted to just drive right away. Like we should just go right now. I could drive for five hours right now. If you let me sleep it's, for five, I could I could take the rest of the way. It's a seven hour drive. Let's get a You wanna just reconvene the pod in the car? We should. <laughs> we should. I, I, I would definitely I'm be down, down I'm down I to would get be back down when, to drive. I'm down to get back when we can you talk guys are about ready. this afterwards. We need to talk about the disaster that was. Yeah, uh, so 38 to 24 is the final score. Uh Jackson Arnold, his debut tonight. I you know didn't go to plan to plan as uh, you know as you would expect but you know 26 of 45 361 yards two touchdowns a problem three interceptions and it could have been four if Jalil Farouk had not been credited with a reception and a fumble uh, which was his second on the night, by the way. Uh, a lot of unhappy people out there and and we were talking about this on the way back to the car tonight. Look, it's not like I was sitting here stumping for Jalil Farouk all year. I mean, I'll throw him under the bus. Uh, I don't care. Like George and I just simply had an argument about is he a you know a, a number one receiver, which he's not. He's not. You won that argument. I did. I also won the Tawi Walker argument. Uh, but you didn't win the Tawi Walker. Been taking, you've Gavin been Sawchuk is the best running back by far on this team. But Tawi Walker should definitely have a scholarship. Uh, he didn't do much tonight. I mean, I mean. Seven carries for 17 yards. George, really, 2.4 per carry? I mean, he still, he still offers a lot. It doesn't matter. None of this matters. Let's talk about Jackson Arnold. Uh, I I actually left the game somewhat encouraged. But I think he's going to be really good. I think he made... He will be. I think he made some, some freshman mistakes. He made some bad reads. I was telling Eddie after the game, you know, they run all that RPO stuff. He was misreading... Some of the RPOs, especially the uh, the last pick he threw over the middle, 
he, that ball should have never been thrown. He should have handed the ball off, and then he just totally mis, misread the route. Uh, that's going to happen. And what's going to be interesting is is what does it look like with Seth Luttrell? Because they ran the Jeff Lebby offense tonight. This was not Seth Luttrell's offense. And so are they going to run all these RPOs and have all these decisions to make with Jackson? I don't know, but um, he's, he's clearly talented. It's just going to come down to experience and and you know going through some of those these ups and downs like tonight and i think, I, I think that was the plan yeah you mentioned 40 he threw the ball 45 times mm-hmm. i think that was the plan going into the to into the game was letting him just let it rip well the the problem you have there is just it, it's it's a matter of of you know you don't have the guy that d- designed the offense running it for him you, you've handed the reins over to seth latrell who you see, we all know is going to add a lot of wrinkles to this offense going to Put more air raid into it. Uh, you know, Emmett Jones obviously is, is a you know been in that system a lot. But look, they did what I I said this as we were going back to the car too. Like I just felt like they ran out of offense at one point. It was like we could only do so much, and they just, and, and Arizona kind of figured it out. I mean, at the same time, they ended up with five sixty two on the night. They almost doubled Arizona's offensive output. Here's, I, the thing, I, here's the thing: you take away. One of the turnovers is specifically the the second Farouk fumble. Yeah. OU wins the game. Yeah, you, was that the you second were, or the first when he was going down to the goal line when the, he was the one that was returned eighty seven yards for a touchdown. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah with two seconds. But the left other one the was a huge momentum quarter. killer. Yes, I yeah, mean, no, no, it yeah. was. That, and that's been, I think, George. We hit on this in the instant reaction on uh, the YouTube channel. I, it just seems like that has been the biggest bugaboo with this team is the fact that every time that they had something going, they either came up with the most inopportune uh, turnover or they came up with just a back-breaking penalty. How many times in the second half, when the, uh, especially they in the fourth six quarter? six holding penalties. Six. In the fourth quarter? Yeah, the no, holding tonight. penalties oh, were off. Overall, yeah. yeah. Like, it just seemed like those 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 types of penalties, just they, they kill Oklahoma. Well, and it's one of those things, too, guys, where you have a young quarterback, you have to tell him, look, you, you you don't have all day in the pocket. Like Just because you feel like you don't have pressure, you still need to get rid of it because there's going to be a holding at some point. If, you, if you're back there for three, four, five seconds, you're fine. But when it gets to six, seven, somebody's holding somewhere. And the, and yeah. the refs found it and I think time that, after time. I think that the turnovers early uh, made – Jackson a little gun shy too, just in terms of letting it rip there in the Absolutely. fourth, in the third yeah. and fourth quarter. And when so when there are there's moments and opportunities that he could have got rid of the football. I think that he thought twice about it because he was so worried about forcing or throwing another turnover. But you know, I, it goes back to the way that he was able to bounce back after throwing the two interceptions in the first six passes of the game, and all of a sudden you look up and you're down ten to nothing. And you come that, out of halftime and you throw that, that pass to Brennan Thompson. It could have spiraled on him. I mean they could have been down twenty one to nothing easily oh, in that yeah. game and all of a sudden you were up fourteen to thirteen at halftime. I thought the the way that he was able to bounce back and just kind of stick with it that tells us a little something about Jackson Oldham that maybe we didn't know at the beginning of the day. And I the future is extremely, extremely bright offensively, but it's you know, it's gonna go back to this idea of what the hell are they gonna do on the offensive line. It seemed like there were good moments tonight, but there were far too many, you know, obviously well, and the, it bad came, moments. It came from and part of it to me guys is the one guy that you kind of were to going to look at and be like, okay, well, he's coming back, is Jacob Sexton. He was not good tonight. Two holding penalties, gave up like a Seemed sack like the, or two. They were, I mean, they, were, they were big holding penalties, like he too. He was not good. And then Troy Everett was uh, – Troy Everett 
shouldn't have been in the game at the end of the game. He was so hobbled, he could barely move. Yeah. I just, and you know, you think that they had the strip sack there at the end. They rushed three guys. Yeah, all the concerns about the offensive line that we had, they were founded. I mean, it, yeah. was, it was it was the biggest problem for Oklahoma tonight. Uh, and, and look, you can pick apart the defense, how they gave up plays and things like that, but six turnovers, I mean, from the offense, I mean, that's just, you're never going to win a game, especially against the number 14 team in the country that's won now seven in a row. I mean, Arizona is a legitimate contender for the Big 12 championship next year. Yeah, uh, they're a good football team. They Fafita find was ways really good. to win. Yeah, and, and that's what good teams do, right? They, yeah. they find ways to win, especially in tight ball games. And I think that if there is one thing that you're going to look at in uh, you know, the first two years of Brent Venables and Norman, they have not been able to do that. They have not been able to find ways in tight ball games to come out, and it's because of penalties and turnovers, which, you know, as we talked about, George, that is discipline 101 of a football team. And I mean, you saw some good things. I mean, our Mason Thomas had a sack. We're just we're watching the replay right now. Kendall Dolby I, has a sack. There uh, were, there Kip were Lewis has a sack. There were individuals on the defensive side of the football that I thought were excellent at times. I, Danny Sussman had a nice Kenai night. Kenai Walker had an interception. Kenai Walker night. had a nice night. Kendall Dolby, as you said, had a couple uh, really, really nice plays. Uh, Kip Lewis, he's literally limping in front of us, Carrie, on in the end zone there going into halftime. And all of a sudden, in the second half, he was one of the most dominant players on the football field. I'm just not worried about the defense. And I know they gave up some big it, chunk plays. It's it's just so weird to talk about the defense and how they play so damn well for so long in a game. But think but about the, the start it, of the game. I mean, three. I mean, you throw an interception on the – it was the first series, right? You, yeah. Your third play of the game, you throw an interception. Then you come and you go three and out. All of a sudden, uh, you're in a hole defensively. I mean, they, they were on their back heels from the very get-go this, you know, tonight. No, that kept them in the game. And then, and then at the same time, though, all three of their losses this year, you've thrown that defense out there with opportunities to get a stop and get off the field and win the football game. They gave up the 75-yarder in Lawrence. They gave up the 90-plus-yarder in uh, Stillwater. And then they gave up eight. Uh, play 95 yard drive tonight to uh, you know ultimately really kind of bury them. I, I, when they got down by a touchdown, there was five minutes left. Uh, they converted what a second and 17 on that drive. They converted a third and eight at about midfield. That ended up being the go ahead touchdown. It just it 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 sucks to talk about the defense as well as they played and as 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 many steps as they made this year in every facet of the game. I mean, it's night and day different from the shit that we've been watching, but all three of the losses were littered with just kind of just three bad, really really bad drives and that ended up losing them to the game. But with all that said, OU's defense wasn't the reason that they lost this game tonight. No, it was the turnovers. I yeah. mean, it was it was it was the offense just basically wearing cement shoes from the fourth quarter. Uh, you know, most of the fourth quarter. I mean, it just seemed like no one could get open. Jackson Arnold couldn't find anybody, and there were no answers because they they never. You know, even though Gavin Sawcheck had a really nice night. They could have leaned on the running game a lot more than it they did. It looked like he was, he was hurt, right? Yeah, he like got something hurt the, was going on. He pulled a hamstring, I think, and then he came back in the game and was running fine. But yeah, he, I think he was. He I was mean, he opened up. it up on that on that first long run yeah. and looked like the Gavin Sawchuk of old. And I don't know if it happened there. I mean, but look, they 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 I they I'm not worried about their their run game and and having skill guys there or skill guys at receiver. Like I, I think they have plenty of guys. I just don't know. 
if they can protect Jackson Arnold. Like they're going to have to think about this. They're going to have to have four transfers as starters yeah. on the offensive line next yeah. year. Probably it's it's not a good situation to be in. It really is. And that's isn't. not to say those guys can't be good, but I mean you're really taking a. Yeah, I mean, at the same time, you were starting to, uh, and I hate to pick on the guy, but you were starting a guy, a, a transfer in Caleb Schaefer that I didn't think necessarily played just extremely well tonight. I mean, what did Josh give him in the report card tonight? I, I don't think that it was a very glowing. Um, I, it wasn't who a very on the offensive line. Got it wasn't a, glowing, a very glowing grade. Got a glowing grade. I mean, they were all bad. Even, Even Walter, Walter Rouse, Rouse had a holding yeah. penalty. Yeah. Uh, Matower wasn't great. <laughs> Matower was bad. Josh gave him a yeah. This is uh, the starting offensive line grades from uh, Josh on the board. Seventy four for Walter Rouse, fifty for Caleb Schaefer. Troy Everett had a sixty. McCade Matower had a sixty five, and Jacob Sexton had a sixty. I mean, that's not going to get it done. I think it's pretty obvious. I mean, you're going to see a lot better fronts in uh, the SEC than you saw tonight in Arizona. And credit to those guys. I, I thought that the Arizona. Uh, team was kind of what everybody thought they were going to be a really kind of physical just grimy and i mean that in like the nicest way possible uh football team and you know guys i think just offensively besides the offensive line they're gonna have to figure out how they replace drake stoops because i mean he was such a, a heartbeat for that team and look you know we all like gavin freeman we saw him uh, on the river walk the other night and came and dapped us all up great kid uh, I don't know if he's the answer at slot, though. I, and, you know, I, I think I was surprised we didn't see some Jaquez Petaway tonight. Yeah. Um, Perhaps. You know, I would have liked to have seen that. Perhaps that's where, you know, the Deion Burks kid's going to obviously get an opportunity. I don't know if they move Jalil Farouk into the slot. Uh, the, uh, wide receiver position at the same time. I, I agree with you, Kerry, though. Losing Drake and what he means to the program. It's, it's got to be, be fixed. really tough. Yeah, it's got to be, be, be really nice tough. to get to talk to him a little bit longer tonight, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is a minor bowl. Um, it, and, it, you know, a lot of times in bigger bowls, they have rock-solid contracts where you have to talk. You know, you have to release the, the, the media to the locker room after the game. They don't have that at the Alamo Bowl. Uh, we didn't even get to – you know, after a game like this, Jackson Arnold's first game, it, it to me it's irresponsible. And, and I know I'm going on my journalism rant, but – you're going to have everybody out there talking about Jackson Arnold, and you're not going to have a response from his coaches saying why this happened, why that happened, uh, what he was seeing there, how you know how we could have helped him, you know how he what we did to prepare, like you know how many plays did he have available to him, you know versus what he will, you know starting next year. I mean, I you know it bothers me that the offensive coordinator was not made you know available because. We'll talk to Brent. We can ask him all the defensive coordinator plays that need to be asked. But to have a game where you don't even talk, even a regular season game, you're expected to talk the offensive coordinator. A bowl game, it should be a no-brainer. I, I agree. <laughs> I'm, re- I'm replying to uh, porn bots on Twitter right now. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't that only uh, exacerbate the porn bot problem? Oh, does it? Well, that's not good for me. I, haven't, I haven't tried that. So. I, but I agree with you, Kerry, because we haven't talked to – an offensive coordinator after a game, and well, I guess we we talked to Jeff. We didn't talk to Jeff during the week. That's right. Uh, but I mean, we should have gotten to talk to Latrell tonight just because it was his first game calling. He can clearly handle like, it. He's been a head coach. coach. Yeah, I don't get it. And then, but I also just why not give us a few extra minutes with some of the players or Brent after the after the game as well? Like Drake Stoops should have had a moment tonight where somebody asked him, and I planned to ask him if I would have got a second question 
I was going to ask him, you know, what do you hope your legacy is at OU? And I, he should have had that moment yeah. to speak into the mic about what playing uh, playing on Conference. He almost deserves that moment. He does. And 100%. To, to be robbed of that tonight is just total bullshit from everyone involved with with the I agree. Uh, the bowl, the communication staff, like all that. I can't believe we didn't get to talk to those guys about stuff like that. I agree. Well, and and you know, I'm not saying that Jackson Arnold need to be put on the you know under the spotlight and asked a bunch of questions. Being oh, he should have been first time, be but that's now he's the quarterback, the quarterback at Oklahoma. Yeah. The season's over. If you have a rough interview session, nobody's going to care. I mean, we were asking him. You're tough going into the off season. I, yeah. I think that you would have to be a really like jagged individual to sit there and put Jackson under the microscope tonight, and even the, even the fan base. I think that like if you can't walk out of tonight and realize the positive that happened out there. And obviously, you can't turn the ball over like they did tonight. You can't turn the ball over like he did tonight. But you kind of know that going in when you're going to start a true freshman in his first game against a really good team that he's going to make mistakes. I thought how he bounced back and how he kind of answered the call when really needing to do so. I thought that tells us a lot about what Jackson Arnold is and what he's going to be moving forward. And see, this drive that we're watching right now, I mean, four minutes left in the game, 31 24. And they were going right down the field. Drake Stoops catches a pass for yeah. the first down at the 40-yard line. This is where they line. get into the, the holding bugaboo. Yeah, and then the whole the penalty. Oh, it's right I there. mean, it's the penalty. Yeah, I, th- I was thinking. I think a penalty happened, and it did. I mean, totally derailed them offensively. You've got a freshman quarterback that's struggling. He's got three interceptions. I mean, it's just – as an offensive – that's the thing about having a young quarterback. I mean, like Dylan Gabriel – and I know I'm not trying to bring his name into this, but you can't get beat inside like that. But when you have an offensive line that's not supporting a young quarterback, you have no chance. You have absolutely. You, Jackson Arnold needs to have an experienced offensive line in front of him to be to be as successful as he can be as a freshman. Yeah, and he doesn't agree. have that. I would agree. It's a it's a really frustrating kind of into what you know overall, and I know that people probably don't want to hear this. A pretty dad gum successful season in a way. I mean, to get to ten and three after where they were a year ago, there were some. There are areas within this program that are obviously improved from year one to year two. It's the little things, and I, I again, I kind of go back to this idea that we talked about when Brent was hired, and when we talked about it last summer during the off season. That that was the most surprising thing to me is that just the discipline within the team. It just doesn't seem like it's there. Which is just the most surprising part about this entire first two years of Brent Vittable's, uh, you know, era in Norman is the fact that they just—it seems like the stuff that you really thought was going to be fixed uh, simply isn't. Uh, this is disgusting to watch. I mean, I was fortunate to be at field level taking photos all day, but this this sequence here—I mean. Just one holding you're, penalty you're, takes away 20 yards of field position. You're still you're in the, second and 20, and then you get another holding penalty on second and 20. I just kept thinking, like, as, as the next bad play. as they played, they were like, they were in the game. There's three minutes and 50 seconds left. You're down by a, one score. As poorly as they played. Yeah. Like, you lost the turnover battle 6-1. to one. How George, what was the stat that you laid on me? Uh, they haven't turned the ball over in a game. Uh, six times since 1997 when they lost to Oklahoma State 30-7. to That's insane. They And they still had a chance to win this football game. I mean, look at that. Walter Rouse is just 
tackling. But I mean, that's the thing about Jackson's Jackson. Get rid of he's the ball standing there. back there yeah. for ten seconds. He's you can't do that with this offensive line. But he's a freshman. This I mean, the, I, I think that I think the turnovers I mean, really, yeah. truly got to him a little bit. I think he started to hold on to the ball a little bit too long. Uh, and I, again, like I, was I, doing snow I don't know if I truly fault Jackson for that as much as it's just going to come with time. I yeah. feel like I, mean, coach, I feel like, like guys feel open. Like, are we turning into like what's that guy's coach thirty or whatever? Where he's like can't hold on to the ball, yeah. fumbling. <laughs> guys doing snow angels on the ground yeah. next to you. I mean, he made, he definitely like he's going to go back and watch the tape, and I think he'll see that he missed some open receivers on certain plays, but. For the most part, no. I mean, I, I think that guys weren't open, and, and, I mean, and look, Arizona they, was dropping eight. They did some good things. They they, they, they said, hey, let's let's try and go to Nick Anderson for a little bit, and that worked. I mean, that, that got the offense going again, but there's just not enough on, you know, not enough in that playbook right now for Jackson, and there'll be more when they play next year. But you've got to get and, an and, offensive but, You know, man. I think that's, I mean, that's, that's the tough part when you look at this, really this season is like, they they turned the ball over six times and they're still in the game. You could say that about the OSU and Kansas game. They made all the mistakes. They were still in the game, but it's those mistakes that are so they're discipline things. It's penalties. Yeah. It's holding everything. On to get, the everything football. gets magnified. Like it's like it's like okay, it's really fixable, but why is it not being fixed? You know. Yeah, and and maybe well, maybe that's been, one of those things that like just never. It, not saying that it will never get fixed, but. It's one of those things that was so ingrained. I didn't know that they were like making a Fogo to Chow football thing with the turnover. That's kind of badass. I kind of like that. That might be better <laughs> than the uh, the sledgehammer. Is that one of those things though that was so ingrained, like just the undisciplined nature of the program? That are we idiots for thinking that it was just going to get fixed overnight when it had been within the program for so long and almost. Well, it's an offense. I mean, it's the yeah. offense to me that is the discipline. That, you know, the, the, they've been undisciplined. I mean, it's the penalties. It's the false starts. It's a lining up offsides. I mean, just just and, dumb and those are the things, things that you know. I, I think a lot of people blame Jeff Lebby for. Seth Latrell has to fix those things. Yeah, and and so does it's a his big staff. Part I mean, of his off season. Let's just be completely blunt. I mean, Bill Beatenbow's on the hot seat this next year, in my opinion. Oh, I think I I don't think there's any doubt. I mean, the fans are already up in arms about recruiting, and I think Bill's great. I think Bill is one of the best in the country. But the 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 lack of depth in that room right now is just, I mean, it's it's concerning. Well, look, I understand the coaches. You know, they did the whole we only want people that want to be here with the Caden Green thing. But part of that is you know you've got to fix things like that from happening. Yeah. I mean, you can't, you can't let Caden green leave. Yeah. Like that yeah. can't happen. And even with the Caden green stuff, it goes back to even saving on bird not not being able to keep him around. Yeah. I mean, the, you're, we're talking about guys that would have truly made a difference tonight. Maybe you don't have to start uh, Caleb Schaefer. I, and and the, were, I'm not just saying that it was Caleb Schaefer that lost him the game. It was all five of them that uh, had an extremely poor night. And, you know, I just it, – it, it's kind of uh, baffling the situation that they're in in the offensive line right now. It really doesn't make a whole lot of sense. It's a little – I think here's the – biggest problem I see and just hearing people talk about it and I know like Gabe or Teddy wouldn't term it this way but it has almost gotten to the point with the offensive line where 
if you don't have the same mentality that Bill Biedenboe has, you can't play in this program, which that's, you never want to get to that point at a position where, I mean, and I think, you know, at times you wonder if DeMarco's kind of been in that situation where if you don't have the tough-minded, old-school you know, mentality that the coaches have, like that they can't shape you into something, that they can't reach you. Like it's either our way or the highway. And I feel like it's become that way on the offensive line a little bit. I don't what, – what's the answer? I mean, I – Adapt, change. I mean – He's got He's got to have – honestly, he needs to have a great year next year. Like they, he's got to somehow piece well, it together. I, I mean, next year – he needs to have a really good next month. Yeah, no, I know. Getting guys he's, into the program. He's he might need to go get and at I least don't, two more guys. And I don't know what the what the answer is. Like I I don't know if they're gonna go find two guys that could win Outland trophies. And I'm not saying that they need to go get those types of caliber guys because they're not in the portal. But you have to go find bodies that are gonna be able to contribute. Or, you know, I I don't wanna this is gonna sound really negative, but you might look up and all of a sudden you've wasted a year of Jackson Arnold in the SEC because you didn't have an offensive line that could yeah. block for him. No, that that that's the possibility, and it could happen. You know, I'll tell you what they could do to help with offensive line. They could build them a nice relationship with Eskridge Lexus, our official travel partner. They've got that TX with the third row now. You could fit a couple of you could fit an, an entire offensive line in that thing. He just needs to go. Just pick them up. Pick them up. Uh, NIL people, you know, give Ed a call. Uh, he'll take care of just like he'll take care of any Sooner Scoop listener. Uh, give him a call, EskridgeLexus.com. Uh, go check him out online. Hey, I'll tell you this: they got cars on the lot now. That's that's. I know Eddie, you've been up there recently. Oh yeah, they actually have a fully stocked uh, load of cars up there. Let's which keep them busy. Has not happened in the last few years after uh, all the stuff went down with manufacturing and all that. So if you need a Lexus and you've had trouble finding the one that you want. Give Ed Eskridge a call, EskridgeLexus.com. They will do whatever they can to find you the car. We've had listeners from Arkansas recently that reached out to him. They got the car that they needed. If you're down in Dallas, if you're up in Kansas, reach out to EskridgeLexus.com, and they will take care of you. And tell them you're a Scoop listener, uh, unofficial 40 listener, postgame podcast listener, uh, subscriber, whatever, YouTube viewer. Uh, they will take care of you give you a little bit off the top they're not going to charge any bogus dock fees uh none of that extra over msrp stuff that other people are doing they're just going to give you a great deal on a great luxury vehicle eskridgelexus.com proud to have them as our official sponsor uh official travel sponsor we uh taking a nice uh, gx up here i'm trying to convince george that he needs the uh, new new uh gx's the 2024s that are coming i'm thinking about getting one so uh anyway Look, I don't know what everybody expected out of this. I think, you know, the the most ardent OU fan expected Jackson Arnold to come out and win 50 to 14. It just wasn't realistic. And I think I, – I don't think that six turnovers was what we were looking at either. I mean, we got to come back to the mean a little bit. Uh, but I think what we saw was encouraging. You know you're going to have a defense that's only going to get better with experience and Danny Stutzman and Billy Bowman and – uh, you know, Peyton Bowen, I thought, played a lot of snaps tonight yeah. compared to usual. And They ran a totally different de- defense tonight. They didn't run it all year, the 3-3-5. That's what you learned in that wonderful press box that I couldn't see. Yeah, no, they, they ran that the whole game. Welcome to my world. 
Yeah, down there on the field. Yeah, it's a it's a different life. It, I mean, the yardage markers, like how far plays are going you forward. Gotta really, stuff. like it. It took me. It usually takes like probably four or five games before you start realizing, like, okay, that's a thirteen yard play. That You're looks so like a thirteen on yard plays. Play. I mean, yeah. it's ridiculous. Yeah, it's crazy. So no, but I, I enjoyed it. It was kind of zen being down there. Um, you know, just being on the field and. It's great talking to everybody before the game. To a lot of subscribers came up to yeah, us. And for sure, saw Basso today. Basso was out there. That's the yeah. first time I met him in person. He's a badass. That's my dude. He is. Uh, he must be a big wig. He's down there just glad handing Josie and everybody else. And you hang out Talk with the boss a little when you, bit. When you walk around with the boss the entire time, you got a little bit of clout. How about did you guys see the clip of the boss on TV? I I only saw, I just saw people that talking were, about. I it. just saw that they interviewed I mean, that he cool like, interviewed him. He basically like subtweeted Katie Green and his family. Really? really? What did he say? He was like just saying like, uh, I'll find the quote. But yeah, I I completely missed this. Oh yeah, it was uh, pretty funny. I saw somebody just said something like, "Can you believe the person that once wore around a T-shirt that said National Communist Against Athletes is saying these things on TV?" What Jack Snarnold goes down. What again. a bad! What a badass! He what said a badass. whispers of dark money coming in after the season, like just talking about. <laughs> <laughs> That's the most and, and dramatic I, uh, thing I've ever heard. He, yeah, I mean, he was. That he sounds went like off. a tweet of his. Like he, he I would expect that him to tweet something like that. That's funny. I'll have to. I know that's floating around on Twitter. I'll have to check that after the I show. Can play is the over. audio if you guys want it. It's right here. Uh, I could probably play it. Hold on, let me pull it. Up. Well, no, don't do that. We can we can play it the right way. Uh, let me go. Hold on. Talks amongst yourselves. It was. Uh, it was just a really strange game, just in terms of I just the entire first half. I don't know what the uh, what you guys were talking about up in the press box, but the entire first half, I just kept turning to T.J. Eckert and Dan Lindblad. It was like, how the hell is OU only down ten nothing? How the hell is out. Oklahoma only down thirteen seven? How the hell is Oklahoma winning the football game fourteen thirteen at halftime? I okay, thought, here's the uh, here's the Bosworth quote. You know, I want to spread it across my teammates. That's one thing I don't like. I don't like one or two players on the team making the lion's share, and the rest of them have to scrap for it. Uh, I think everybody should share in it. And, you know, this whispers of dark money coming in after the season's over with, and, you know, mom and dad's getting, you know, phone calls, and uncles and aunts are getting phone calls. That's got to stop. we got to get that under control. <laughs> whispers of dark money. Whispers of dark money. is a, That needs to be put on a T-shirt. Let's do it. <laughs> we'll have seven hours to figure it out. Yes, we will. Um, now that Eddie's in a good mood because he's leaving San Antonio. This is the best. Pancakes didn't do it for him. It did it for George and I this morning. I love those pancakes. Yeah, we highly recommend the Magnolia Pancake House. I want. I will say that... Oh, San you Antonio, say something good? No, San Antonio isn't as bad as I've let on. I have played it up quite a bit, but... It is not my favorite place in the entire world. There's there's no doubt about that. And that's okay. I mean, the Mexican food was just fantastic. Was it? Yes. I feel like it, this gets into a whole a different conversation, but I feel like good Mexican's good Mexican. Like, I, I feel like we have that in Oklahoma City. I feel like I, don't there, know that. I feel places. like in San Antonio they're putting like like ancient lard or something in their refried beans that just makes it better. I don't know. I don't know about that. It's like sourdough lard. You know they have that sourdough starter for people that have bread and stuff. 
They're no, doing something know. different. It's just better. It is. Who gives a shit? <laughs> <laughs> we just want to go home. Uh, okay. What's what's the number one thing OU has to do this offseason? Offensive line. Yeah. I mean, it, it, like specifically, I would say offensive line as a whole, as a program. I think you have. To, I don't know if it's if the simple answer maybe it's just discipline within the the structure of the program, but you have to find ways to stop shooting yourself in the foot. I mean, is that is that too homerish to say? I feel like every all three of the losses this year, you could pinpoint probably two or three things that just shouldn't be happening within a game. And I think that's why it's so frustrating that you look up and this team went 10 and three and you feel like they left so much out there. All I'm thinking right now is Cole Kubelik, you stood, you, you stood in front of one of my shots, you bastard. I'll find you. It gets frustrating when people uh, walk in front. Uh, I will say that Rodney Anderson touchdown was impossible to get. It, it was Nick such Anderson. in the deep corner. Nick Anderson, Rodney Anderson, I just talked to Rodney Elena, I'm sorry. Uh, Nick Anderson, um, yeah, that was an impossible shot to get. What that was you, so deep, and that was such a great throw and such a yeah, great catch. It was an unbelievable throw. I, I thought the throw that Jackson made, even though it was on a fourth and 17 or something because of a hold, the throw that he made to Drake Stoops on the Oklahoma sideline is a big league throw. I mean, he put it in the only spot that Drake was going to be able to get it. They ended up having to punt because it was fourth and four, but at the same time, that was a big time, big balls throw. How about this for for things needed in the off season? Um, how about get Jaden Gibson more involved? Get let's see what Jaquez Petaway can do. I mean, I I will say this: Jaquez Petaway, we don't know. We don't know what he can do uh, if he can consistently be a great player. But we think that Jaden Gibson has some special qualities. Yeah, I mean, I. Again, I'm not worried about receiver. Like I think they just keep rotating those guys, and with Drake leaving, somebody's going to get more opportunity. Uh, you get Andrell back, you get Dion Burks, you get some of these freshmen in. Um, the other thing's a kicker. Shit, I want to see. I want to see more Brennan Thompson to a certain yeah. extent. Every time yeah. he touched the ball, it seemed like he was making a big ass play. Uh, well, yeah. you got all these guys. Uh, KJ Daniels coming in. I mean. Um, uh, I'm trying to think. Um, Zion, Zion, Zion Kearney. I Zion mean, Kearney, Zion Raggins. They, the, the, the wide receiver the, the, Here's the thing that is they have a problem. To, yeah, I'm not worried about that. I think it's going back to what Eddie said, is that the three games you could pinpoint when they lost the game. They would collapse in these, these the most important moments, they would collapse in, in them. And really the only game they didn't collapse was the Texas game. And you have to, the only way to figure that stuff out is there's not a whole lot you can do in the off season. It's not, you know, uh, doing something different in the off season. It's it's you have to go through them and just learn from them and correct them the next year. And that's the part that the next you know eight months until they play, you know, August thirty first against Temple. You have to learn it under the fire. Yeah, like it's it's, it's one of those things that again, and that's why I think it was valuable tonight for Jackson to kind of go through what he went yeah. through. You know, you'd rather I have agree. that happen, yeah. you know, tonight than. At Auburn next year when they travel, you know, for the first time in the SEC. So uh, it's it's tough because it's like there's no real answer, right? You know, you can say they, they need to get better on the offensive line. That's obvious. But until we see them go and uh, play in a game and, and have one of those moments again, you don't know if they've corrected it.
And it's the same thing you guys probably said after they went six and seven last year. You guys could probably go through all those lot those close losses and were like, well, they they messed this up and they fixed a lot of that this year. They figured it out, but. But I think this year was more about, you know, not not so much not playing down to your level of competition, but just being consistent. I mean, I, I think the consistency of, of – and, and, yeah, it was beating Texas, having the hangover, but you had two consecutive weeks where against Kansas and against Oklahoma State, you just weren't very good. And, and you weren't the team that everyone knew you could be. And, yeah, we got all wrapped up in, in blaming Jeff Lebby for play calling – and I think some of that was part of it, but it's just it goes back to consistency. Being able to go out and know that you're king shit and we're just going to be better than you today, no matter what you try and – like Kansas, no matter what, how much misdirection you throw at us, no matter if you have a pick six to start the game, we're going to come out and regroup and blow, blow your doors off. Is Oklahoma closer – It's harder to do that in the SEC. Is though. Oklahoma closer right now than they were a year ago from, from where – they're supposed to be getting to. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, they they won four more games than they did. Uh, are they Were they that much better, or do you fall back to the schedule being what it was? Well, I'll say this. I they were better behind. because they had better quarterback play. Dylan Gabriel sure. got a lot better in year two. The schedule wasn't very tough when they went six and seven either. No. No, that's fair. I mean, I and I, I think it's very clear defensively they were so much better this year. Yeah, sure. Like I, and that's the part of the ball that I think what you're talking about, Kerry, where they're just saying, "Hey, we're just better than you." Yeah. Like I, you see flashes of that from the defense. Yeah. I, it's the offense that once again fails to put the game away because they make too many big mistakes. And I, here's my biggest it, concern in the back of my head when I listen to Brent talk because I think he says the right things, but even tonight, you know, he goes, he he talk, he's talking about Jackson and can't turn the ball over but he goes but the defense got to be put him yeah. in a better spot and it's like man the defense played pretty damn yeah. good like if he's so caught up in the defense is he blinded that it's the offense sometimes that that is screwing him i i, I and that I, happened a lot this year where like i know after exactly Pelham or I, after kansas and he's like he's like yeah but the defense didn't come up with that stop and i get what he's saying and he's right. always gonna think that way right but it, the bigger picture is the offense has let them down more than the defense. I I agree. I, but I I like where your head's at in terms of like, but the, but I guess are we also saying that's what Brent's always going to think? He's, he's always, always going to demand perfection. He's always going to go back to the defensive side of the football because but he that's to, what he's he, responsible he's gonna for. He's going to demand perfection from the defense, but he needs to start demanding it from the offense. Sure, and I that's and I fair. do think I don't know what discussions are having behind you know closed doors, but like. Like he and he's not oblivious to it, but right. I do think sometimes he gets so caught up on the defense that he forgets that what what the offense is doing. Yeah, I I agree with that, it, it, and I it is weird that he goes through and he's asked about Jackson, and then all of a sudden he he immediately reverts back. It's not weird because I think that we all kind of agree that we that's probably to be expected that the third and 17 or the second 17 that they are able to convert that led to the third and eight that led to the go ahead touchdown. That's the, that's what's going to eat at him throughout this off season rather than the six turnovers and worrying about how the fuck you stay away from something like that. You know, I think it's interesting because you have to make comparisons with Brent to Bob Stoops and, you know, Brent, I think comes from, you know, obviously long time with Bill Snyder, uh, Bob Stoops, then Dabo Sweeney. 
But I, I do think Brent tries to be hands off with the offense and let them do their thing. And, and you know, hiring Jeff Lebby was pretty hands off. I think he's going to be pretty hands off with Seth Luttrell. But Bob was not really hands off with the offense. I mean, he brought in Mike Leach. He knew how difficult that offense was defend, to defend. He wanted a little bit more running game than Mike Leach had, so he brought in, you know, he, he elevated Mark Mangino, who did that. But Bob was always not meddling, but he would interject in what he wanted from his offenses. And I think what you're saying is you just want Brent to be that guy that will interject a little bit and say, you know, this is how we could be better if you would just make these little tweaks. Yeah, and and I'm not. I mean, I I don't think he needs to be like super involved, but yeah, I mean, like when it, and it it's not so much tonight. I just think back to the. But OSU you don't think Kansas he games, you like, don't think he knows like the offensive line has issues. No, no, no. I think he does. I I think it's more in game situations where, you know, they run a freaking sprint rollout on fourth and short against OSU, and it's like, how do you? hear that play call get called in and say oh yeah that's the right call that's what we want there you know like i yeah. just I, I don't know i just like the, those type of things that again and and i'm sure he's having those conversations but when he says those things after the game where he's like well the defense needs to be better it's like does he does he really know that the offensive line was a big problem tonight does he really know that farouk has a problem with holding on to the football like well that would be one of those things that would be great to ask him if we had the normal post bowl game you know beat writer meeting because i remember distinctly asking bob that you know not me but i don't know if i asked it but he was asked like when you're on the headset and you hear an offensive your offensive coordinator call something in that you don't agree with or maybe you're not sure of are you willing to interject and he was like yes absolutely he's like if i hear something that i don't think as a defensive coordinator that's advantageous for us, I'll say something. And, and I don't I do, know if Brent will do that yet. And I do think, though, going back to the point of improving from a year ago to now, I think Brent was more involved with the offense this year. I mean, you look at what they did offensively in certain situations, I think Brent was a part of that. And I think it was also him saying, hey, we got to slow down. I mean, their time of possession this year went up by three minutes. Yeah, I mean, they, were, yeah. they were a lot slower this year than they were a year ago. If we were going to get the opportunity, not to put you guys on the spot, but if we were going to be able to have like that meeting with Brent or that we used to have with the head coach the day after the bowl game, mm-hmm. what would be like the number one thing that you guys would want to know? Uh, I mean... I mean, I know there's so much out George there. George and I put our heads together, and, and we, I mean, we I, know when we know what the, the question is. I would like, ask so, him about... What's I the, would, kind, I, of, kind of what you just asked. Like, what's the biggest question for this team going forward? But the problem with Brent is you, have, you can't ask a big, wide question because he'll just go into this yeah. long tangent. Like, you have to be pretty pointed. I, I think you got to ask him about the offensive line and if he feels like they're physically ready to compete at the level that they're about to. And also just if he thinks that, you know, the buy-in is there from the, like, I don't know. I mean, I would love to ask him about the Caden Green stuff. Yeah. And just all that shit that went down. Yeah. I don't know. We'd have to think about it. But I would ask him about the offensive line and, and the defensive line. Yeah. Because I, I think, still think they need to get better there. I think pass rush, I mean, is yeah. still a big issue. I mean, we saw that tonight. Uh, I mean, Fafita was back there. They had opportunities to get to him. And they did at times, but not enough. And, I mean, that's a pretty good offensive line, I think, that Arizona has. I think that's pretty representative of what you'll see week in and week out in the SEC. And I just don't think that they have 
the guys, if you line up your front four and say get to the quarterback once every three, four plays, I don't think they're they're definitely not doing that. No. Yeah, and I think I would I, I would want to know too, like I would ask him something along the lines of, you know, the the, the late game collapses that right. you had this year. It, what it, do you do in the off season? How do you correct those? Like is, how is that something that you can Is it unfair to say that not all of them, but it seems like some of the late game collapse stuff is very preventable in a way. Like oh, yeah. it's it's decisions that weren't made in quarters one through three or turnovers that were made in those first three quarters that they all add up at the worst opportune time for Oklahoma over the first two years of Brent's tenure. And I think that like I don't know if it's in game management, if that was what it would be labeled or what it would be uh, you know, booked under. But it does seem like they're just there's little things that he's still learning as a head coach that ultimately has cost Oklahoma over the first two years. Yeah, I mean, that's the job of a head coach is, is yeah. to really examine your program, self-scout, figure out where you can be better. Uh, and, and I think they know that right now because of the transfer portal. You have to know that because you have to know who you're targeting. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I think it's also – I would ask Brent this. Like, at what point do you – yeah, what's the what's the threshold for you as far as NIL goes? Like, do you want to have a, a ratio of guys on your team that are not, you know, transfer portal guys that are into NIL? Because I just get the sense that he is still a little anti-NIL. Like, he's still, he doesn't believe that any player should be making that much more money than other players. Like, he's concerned about the makeup of the locker room and the character on the team and the, the chemistry and, and the culture. And all that. I just don't think he's ever going to be a Missouri that you know goes out, or an Ole Miss that just goes out and and you know basically hires a bunch of mercenaries. And yeah. I don't know that that works. I mean, hasn't worked for A and M, hasn't worked for Miami. We'll yeah. see with Missouri and Ole Miss. Yeah. But I mean, the whole selling out for NIL thing has not worked for anybody so far. And the schools that benefit from it that aren't those schools that you're talking about that are just trying to buy everything or you know just throw and the throw Dion money way at didn't it. work at all either. Right. You either have to you, you go through the, those stages where Oklahoma's trying to get to, where you're a Georgia or an Alabama, where you're able to just basically it's running so well that it doesn't matter if you're going to be throwing money to whoever you're getting the players no matter what. Yeah, and I you know I think Texas is on the verge of kind of you know tipping those scales toward you know being an NIL program versus being a, a program that was built from the ground up like a Georgia or Alabama. Yeah. Well, it also certainly helps though that Texas, I mean even through the drought that they've been on over the last decade plus, they've it's still one of the like me and my friends always joke like at the end of the day, they're still going to get that fair share of kids from Texas because those kids grow up and they want to go to Texas. It's the biggest university in the state. It just is what it is. Like Oklahoma's always going to be fighting to a certain yeah. extent against that. Uh, well, driving through Austin on the way here, I think George and I, our eyes were just wide. We were like, wow, this place is amazing. Yeah, Austin is kick-ass. It's a fun town, but that it also has uh, kind of the negative side to it because there is everything else that's out there. You that's one of the reasons that's one of the things that has contributed to them to you're being, not always there to be a football player right it, it, to being what that program has been over the last decade. The one thing I will say about Brent is he has tremendous buy-in 
Like you can tell these guys believe in whatever the hell he's telling them. Like listening to, uh, you know, Drake and Danny and Billy and mm-hmm. all those guys tonight. It's like, okay, like these guys. It's almost a cult. Yeah. I mean, it is. It is. And which is what you want in your football. That's culture. Team. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, you want them. They, they definitely buy into whatever the hell he's selling them. So that's you get that. And, and I think and that's why I think they had more success this year is like they won. They, they were more talented this year. They had more talent on their team. But uh, I think that guys are really bought into the whatever they're doing. It's just next. It's the, the hard part for them is next year. It just gets really, really hard. Like, yeah, the, the schedule just is brutal. I saw uh, Daniel Ekinkumi's tweet um, after the loss, and that was kind of interesting. What did he tweet? Basically, you know, ba- class ba- of twenty four is coming. We're going to turn this thing around. Here's the th- here. How much how much better would you feel about OU if they were playing the Big Twelve next year? How much better would I feel? Yeah, because like I I I my my I'm thought gonna, is I'm gonna sit right now and say I wouldn't I wouldn't. Say I wouldn't feel like OU was the prohibitive favorite to win the Big Twelve next year. No, but I think that they would be a favorite to be in the game, in the championship game. I think they'd be it. It'd be like it has been in years past. But at the same time, like I think Oklahoma State's going to be pretty damn good with what Kansas has coming back. They're going to be pretty good. We'll see about Texas Tech. Arizona's going to be a player. Uh, Utah is certainly going to be really good uh, again. Cam Rising back. Yeah, I mean, I I, I think that the Big 12, like the top side of the Big 12 should be a pretty talented group. Now, with that said, I it's a different animal that Oklahoma stepping into next year. It's going to be absolutely uh, kind of fascinating to see how this thing goes over the next couple months. Yeah, you've got Ole Miss and Missouri on your schedule. I mean, on top of Alabama. Yeah. It, it really gets tough. There's no doubt about that. When does spring practice start? Uh, well, the spring game is already April twentieth, right? This 20, schedule twenty second, second, or no? I think it is, is it April twentieth. Yeah. Is it? Oh, I yeah. Uh, because you, George, you're telling me that me. you had to cancel all your four twenty plans. It, <laughs> it it seems like practice usually begins like Nervous around that laugh. second week of March. He's kidding, mom. <laughs> <laughs> it seems like it. Usually around that second week of March is when they get going, and then they usually practice through um, or after spring break, basically, which is usually the first or second week of March. Yeah. So I don't know, man. It'll be here before they we know do, it. They do need to go get a kicker. They need to find a punter. Uh, you know, I special need, teams. I also think they need to get a. And I'm, there's a bunch of people saying in my mentions these people are, are idiots, but that they need to get somebody to compete with Jackson Arnold, have a true quarterback competition. They do not, but I do think. They should try and get a experienced quarterback that is willing to be the backup. Yeah, we talked about it on the uh, on the Casey unofficial Thompson. forty this week. Thompson, like, yeah. if it could be Casey Thompson, I think that'd be a really comfortable situation for everybody involved. Yeah, anybody again, like out there that is going to spend the next however many months—six months, seven months, uh, eight months—bullshitting about Jackson Arnold's not any good. Just shut up. Like, I, I know that the turnovers thing is going to be the thing that everybody gets. If you try to defend Jackson Arnold, there's going to be somebody that is out there saying that, yeah, he turned the ball over and multiple times. I get it. The I talent would just, I is would just obvious. Go down that person's Twitter timeline and see, you know, at what point they said replace Jackson, replace Dylan Gabriel. Yeah, it was Jackson probably Arnold. after the SMU game. Yeah. All right, boys. Uh, I feel like we've fulfilled our contractual obligation to the Alamo Dome. 
the Alamo Bowl. We talked more than uh, an OU offensive coordinator probably talked all year. <laughs> I mean, I'm in a. Race I, thought, I, I haven't seen George so mad after the game. I was pissed. Yeah, you were pissed. Well, and it was it was yanked out from under you too because it was like, hey, get down to the locker room. You can talk to the the offensive coordinator. Then it was like, no, you can't. It's just bullshit. Yeah, I mean, we we came all the way down to San Antonio. We spent thousands of dollars on this trip, and we got 14 minutes and 50 seconds after the game to talk to these guys. You you guys gave up your Christmas. We, we asked eight total questions. Yeah, unbelievable. It's modern day bowl games for you. I know, but it's still bullshit. It's kind of modern day uh, everything yeah. coverage right now. Just in terms of I, the fans deserve it. You yeah. mean they they just they deserve better? Yeah, well, yeah, they they deserve to be able to hear from Drake Stoops talking about anything. And you like, can tell, and, too, and especially, the last, you great, can yeah, tell, especially you, the last six years of his life you that he gave too, to the Drake, program. Drake was emotional up there. Yeah, when Brent started talking about him in the opening statement, like I was like, he's going to lose it when somebody asks him about his career, and we just never got to have that moment of asking him that yeah well it's a shame uh but jackson it's only got where two are. questions tonight yeah. right i mean that's crazy billy bowman and danny stutzman should be able to talk more about yeah kind of what they view this i mean they are literally they're evangelists they're for the, the program danny stutzman billy bowman and jackson arnold are the face of the program moving forward well we've got we and you know i said we only got to ask eight questions well half of them were asked by freaking morons that don't know what how to ask a question <laughs> <laughs> just wasting everyone he's just time. getting madder and madder as the pod goes on look i look I, it's been a great season i'm happy to be back but the reality is there's some morons that waste everybody's time and that's on every beat same thing would yeah. happen in denver but sure just irritates me there's, there's a lot there's of like, i would pick like four people that should be allowed to ask a question there are a lot of media companies that shouldn't be in business. They're not really media companies. They're just people running stuff out of their house. There's a lot of people that shouldn't be allowed a thousand feet within OU's campus <laughs> that cover the team. <laughs> all right. Uh, that's going to do it. Uh, For the first time ever, it's like, all right, this is what it feels like <laughs> to be on the other side of this. I, it is George Stoya. Once again, George Stoya, if you have any uh, any uh, questions about what he has said to At George Stoya or is it at G Stoya? At George Stoya. S-T-O-I-A. <laughs> Where are we at followers right now? That's the end of the season. Where were uh, we at the beginning and where are you now? I w at the beginning, I think I was around... Uh, was it 10 or 12? I think it was around 13. And now I'm at almost 21. Very nice. Okay, very good. Very good. Yeah. Go follow George Stoya. Please. And unfollow me. And get blocked by me. What a trickle down effect. I am on a block party right now. For, I am too. The, yeah, the, so. the sooner follow train is coming after me. All right, that's going to do it. Thank you to Eskridge Lexus uh, for another great season. Uh, we've Look, as much as we bitch and complain about things, we love this shit. I mean, we live for it. Uh, Eddie is uh, he's rehabbed. We, we put him through San Antonio rehab. I think he's going to be better for it. I think regular forward. rehab would be more fun. <laughs> 
They give you like melatonin in those or something? I, I, no, actually, no, it wouldn't be more fun. What am I saying? At least that you can go get a drink here. Yeah, yeah. You get a nice, nice marg here. Uh, better than in Oklahoma City, I believe. I don't know about that. All right. Uh, that Well, let's see. There's people, let me know about best margs in Oklahoma City, and uh, I'll go try them because after this weekend, I'm back on the marg train. All right. That's going to do it. Thanks to everybody for listening. Hey, you guys out there, we love you guys. As much uh, as we bitch and complain and fight uh, and block and and argue, we love you guys. And and you make this job worth doing. Uh, And we appreciate you listening, appreciate you watching on YouTube, appreciate you subscribing on Sooners. We're not going anywhere because there's still a lot of shit that's getting ready to happen with the transfer portal, spring football coming up. We're not going to stop talking about football. Uh, You got uh, Bobby Alphabet. Uh, He's uh, all over the hoops. He even wrote a hoop story tonight, even though he was in San Antonio. What a madman. What a madman from the press box in San Antonio. Insane. He was not happy with that performance tonight. Uh, (laughs) So anyway, thanks, everybody, for listening. We're headed back to Oklahoma City slash Norman, and we'll see you guys in 2024 for Team 130 under Brent Venables. Thanks for listening. Have a great night, and uh, we'll see you guys again next year for the Eskridge Lexus post-game podcast.